to Core Community Covenant Church with Pastors Max and Trish. Join us as we learn more about the Word of God. So I, I'm excited. I'm excited because, um, well, first of all, this is the end of our perseverance. Perseverance. Yep. Uh, so we persevered through perseverance. Yeah. Uh, so th- that's awesome, and the t- the teachings have been to to me the teaching has has been pushing pushing me in a lot of ways um, to persevere. I, I think um, there's so much more to persevering than than just trying to go by get by. I think there's a difference between just getting by and, and persevering in the Lord, mm-hmm. and I think. Um, Especially as we focus on being persevering as a body of Christ in the body of Christ, there's so much more hope than just pushing through, right? You know, so I'm excited about today's uh, today's teaching about perseverance and success. And uh, to to start off, I was I was talking. We were talking about this, and it was one of those. As soon as we brought up this idea of success and. Like it sounds a little bit weird to persevere through success, persevere through the good times, you know. And how much, how much of God do we need? How much of of, of His Spirit do we need? And and uh, as soon as we started talking about this, verse bumped into my head, which was uh, Proverbs thirty, verse eight and nine. Um, he's, it says, "Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread." So it's again is the point of daily bread. And this is where it's, I love it. it says, otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and, and steal and so dishonor the name of God. Mm-hmm. And this verse kind of shows us that too much mm-hmm. is not a good thing. So not, it's not a good thing, but there's a chance that we'll forget. Mm-hmm. That the success, too much success is not always a good thing. I know that that doesn't line up with the worldly idea, but it is. It's it's one of those things we we teach all the time, and I know I know we have we have taught a number of times where, you know, it's like it's easy to praise during good times when when it's hard times in the valleys. But you know what? Sometimes it's hard to praise him in the mountaintop. Not that it's hard, we just forget to. Right. So that's why we wanted to talk about persevering during success or in success is when there's positive things and how can we keep on seeking God during those things, how we can persevere looking for him. We had, we, we had a friend in, in the, in the, at North Park in our college who she stopped going to church because she's like, you know what? My life is really good. I don't think I need God. And from us, from the outside in, we're like, girl, you need God. But, <laughs> but for her, she's like, I have a great family. I've never had a need or a want. She's like, I don't think I need God. Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember that was, that was her senior year. And she was a, a very passionate, always in church and chapel and doing all these mm-hmm. things, going out to our reaches with us. So she was passionate about God. But then all of a sudden, she's like, I'm good. You know, and then it was like, well, it's, it's just it's just who we are. It's it's our what kind of people we are. But then, as, as Trish and I were talking about it, we started looking at the Bible. Imagine that. 
Exactly. Yeah, I know. We do that sometimes. You know, as soon as we don't look in the Bible, you guys start throwing rocks at us. Um, I know Jose's been holding on to one. Um, but but we look, the the best one that, that always breaks my heart, and I remember when I start, just started reading the Bible before I even became a Christian, is the, the story of Exodus. How the ups and downs of these people. They were in slavery. God came and freed them. They're like, yay, look at him. And they're like, oh, we should go back to slavery. It's, it was better as slaves. We're, we're hungry. Here's food from heaven. Oh. After we're a while, sick of this man. We're sick of this man and we want meat. Okay, meat. All right, here's, here's uh, quail. quail. Thank you. I'm like seagulls. No, quail. Here's quail from nowhere in the middle of the desert. Oh, we're sick of the quail. You know, it's like all these ups and downs, and God keeps on providing. It's like, oh, we're thirsty. Here's water from the rocks. Yay! Oh, man, we're thirsty again. You know, it's just all these ups and downs, ups and downs. It's like, man, you guys just don't get it, how faithful he is, and how good he is to you, and you're still grumbling. We're still grumbling, even in the good good times. Not only good times, miraculous times. And I was like, well, it was just... New people, they, haven't, they didn't know God that well. But then we look at David. In, the, in, the, in, the, in Samuel, David has been blessed by so God's been so faithful to him, so blessed. He, he's the man after God's own heart. Like, so it's like, David is the man. But for some reason, during the time where kings go out to war, David became content and... Forgot how faithful God is to him and forgot what, God, what kind of calling God had on his life. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to go walk around and see who's, what's popping up on other roofs, I guess. <laughs> you know, and he sees Bathsheba and all this thing that, that comes about with him uh, impregnating her, then calling out her husband and killing her husband and all these things. But he was a man under God's heart. He was blessed beyond the measure like all those guys was so faithful to him. And yet in all that success, he forgot about God, mm-hmm. you know. And then sadly, his son, Solomon, the wisest man ever lived, right? Riches, peace beyond all these nations around him were blessing him and sending him money and sending him gifts and chariots and horses and all that stuff. And all that the guy, so he was, a, he, he was it. He was it. Everybody came to have counsel with him. And yet, he started looking at all these women. And he started letting these women corrupt his um, worship of God. And started putting up high places and usher poles and all the other things. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And all of them brought their own things. And even says, even says that... Um, that he, to please them, he started building these temples for them, you know? So it's this man of wisdom that came from God, and all of a sudden he just was just content. He was too happy with where he was, you know? And um, the last one kind of that hit me, and there's so many other examples, but the last one was in the Gospels where Peter... Peter walked with him. Peter was so passionate for him. Peter, Peter loved him. Peter, I'm with you. I'm, I will do, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. I will die for you. I will go to jail for you. And then all of a sudden some little girls like, aren't you, aren't you with him? No. no, no, never mind. So it's this, we're at this high place. We could be at these high places, but then we can fall yeah. so fast. 
So that's why it's so important for us. That's why we really wanted to look into this time of persevering in success. So when things are going well, when things are positive, even in our spiritual walk, we need to keep on persevering. We keep on pushing and not be content of where we at. We, you know, and we don't talk about like, well, I read the Bible, I read the Bible every day and I, I pray every day and all the, those, those disciplines are awesome. But when we talk about uh, being mature, we're talking about fruitful, right? It's like, man, I've been, I've been finding joy in the Lord. Mm-hmm. So I found joy in the Lord when I was sick. So that means I don't have to worry about joy no more. Or man, I didn't punch that dude in the face. So that means I don't need to work on self-control anymore because I have arrived. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't need to seek wisdom. I don't. You know, we we just we start getting content because we we hit one peak and we're like, all right, cool, we're good. I read the Bible. I need to read it again. I I've prayed for somebody and they accepted Christ. I don't need to evangelize again. You know, we want to keep on pushing, keep on throwing, and and uh, we what guided us is to Paul. Mm-hmm. Paul had this amazing attitude. We we read, we dove into when he was talking about. This whole thing for the, about six months ago started off the whole running the race to win the prize to yeah. be like Christ, right? We talked about it. Then here, uh, we're going to stay for a while in Philippians chapter 3. And here in Philippians chapter 3, he kind of um, dives deeper into this topic about not being so stuck and content with just being there. Being like... <laughs> Patting ourselves on the back when maybe. Bless you. Right? Yep. So Philippians chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 3. Uh, maybe we could just go around and everyone could read the two verses we're going to read. All the way through to verse 14. Or 15. We can actually go to 15. So maybe if you go around and read two or three verses. Philippians 3, starting with verse uh, four. Four. I'm sorry. Starting with verse four through verse fifteen. Okay. Do yeah. I myself have reasons for such confidence? If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Mm-hmm. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Wow. Wrong, yeah. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Mm -hmm. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind 
and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such view of things. And if one on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. So we've we've reiterated this and reiterated this over and over again. You know, when we're talking about persevering and success, we we first have to calibrate what how we define success. And we didn't want to spend a whole time going deep into that because we have been saying that through series after series that you know success as mature disciples is not the way the world would define success so it's not going after worldly titles or wealth or fame or all of those other things we know that it's towards the fruit of the spirit right that success our goal of how we measure success is do we have love do we have joy do we have peace do we have patience but there's this tricky little thing that, and that's where we kind of wanted to land today um, that that often creeps in into the church and into our Christian walk, and that is we know that pursuing worldly riches and worldly fame and worldly all of those things is is not what God would have for us. But there's this little gray area in the middle where we pursue success in the church, mm. and you know it may be that oh well you know she's a pastor or he's a pastor or oh wow well they've you know they've done these this missionary work. Or, oh, they've done, and, and we wear, like, we're in, you know, Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts, all of our ministry accomplishments, like, they're little badges, right? And we have our, we have our ministry sash. sash. yes. And it's like, well, I was a, an elder for seven years, or, oh, I was a deacon for, you know, 18 years. Can we start that? Um, I did, I did the soup kitchen thing. I did the, you know, and we, we have these, or I read the Bible so many times, or, oh, I did, you know, I fast once a week. I mean, we could just keep going. Well, I've done a 24 hour prayer vigil where I've prayed for 24 hours nonstop. Like there's all these little, these little sneaky religious ways that we define success. And it's actually, to me, more dangerous because if you just pursue success according to the worldly standard, the Bible is very clear. The Holy Spirit brings pretty strong conviction. And we know that, again, those things are not necessarily in and of themselves bad, but we have a pretty strong sense that we may be off the path if we're full of greed, if we're full of right, because those go completely contrary to the the fruit of the Spirit. But this space here is what Paul is talking about where he, he talks about if anyone thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And he lists and he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. So like he, he's been faithful since he was a child. He was of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. So he was a pastor's kid. You know, he's, he's got all this stuff. Um, pastor's you know, he, he knows the Greek and the Hebrew. He knows um, the languages of scripture. In regard to the law, he was a Pharisee. Meaning, you know, he didn't come from Hillsong or... But I'm kidding. Wow. <laughs> I'm just teasing, no. Well, you know, we, we look at other denominations and it's like, oh, but well, they're, you know, they're progressive or liberal or, oh, they're hyper-conservative fundamentalists. You know, I came from this tradition or that tradition and somehow that denomination is more holy than another denomination. And these things divide us. Yeah. And Paul makes it really clear, you know, in his day... Being a Pharisee were, were the top, most religious. They were believed to, to, they had the true scriptures and they had it right. Mm-hmm. And everyone looked at them as though they were 
Um, the ones who, you know, they were the apologists of the time, the ones who really knew doctrine, the ones who were really well educated. And he says, you know, that he, that's what he was. As for zeal, he persecuted the church, which sounds ironic, but the, the church was believed, it wasn't, they were not Christians at the time. They were Jewish people who believed Jesus was the Messiah. So they, they were viewed by other Jews as being heretics. Heretic, it was yeah. seen as a cult. Mm-hmm. And so his persecuting the church would have been viewed as this, you know, he's zealous for the faith and he is out to make sure that everyone is true to the one true God and the one true faith and everybody else is some sort of, um, sort I'm looking for, like a, well, you guys, you understand. It's the, the outsiders, you know, that they're, they're, they have strayed from the faith and therefore, you know, they believe to be persecuted. And then he says, as for the law, that he was faultless. So he obeyed the law. You know, he never murdered. He didn't lie. He didn't steal. He didn't do any of those things. He was a very good person. But this is where it takes a twist that would have been shocking to his readers. He says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss. What's more, I consider everything a loss compared to knowing Christ as my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things and consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. And he continues to go on. So these things not only, he doesn't just say that these things don't mean anything. And I think that we need to hear that. It's not just that, that those ministry badges that we may carry, it's not that they just don't mean anything. He says, I count them as loss. And, you know, those of us who have done some accounting and understand business, you know, there's a big difference between net zero and net loss, right? (laughs) So when he says, not only were they not to my advantage, they actually work against me. Why? Because they become things that we can stand on instead of Christ. These things that we quote unquote would consider success. Well, I finished reading the whole Bible plan and I can check that off. Be careful. Be careful because when we accomplish success, whatever that looks like, I launched this ministry or, oh, I donated so much to the poor. We can start to venture into a religious righteousness category that is not true success. And it actually will count against us because it will have this falsehood of that we think that we have succeeded. We think that we have arrived. We think we have humility, but in fact, it's pride, Mm -hmm. right? Right. We think that we have joy, but really we're just, again, going back to putting on that smile and acting like we have it all together. So he says these things, not only do they not add to his faith, but they actually are a hindrance. They actually take away. And so as we think about persevering in success, we may need to do some self-evaluation and think about the things that we have, quote unquote, accomplished as Christians in church or in our walk with the Lord um, where we feel like, you know, these are things that we would say, I'm su- I was successful in this. Um, and, and start to surrender those things to Christ because they may actually be a stumbling block to persevering in true success and distracting us from, you know, that love, joy, peace, those things that we really are striving towards. And, and like my husband was saying, you know, we get to a point where what happened is Solomon, if you follow the story, God says, whatever you ask for because of your father, David, was a man after my heart, I will give you, right? And Solomon starts off great, and he asks for wisdom. Mm-hmm. But as God elevates his platform, right, as he finds success with his wisdom, and people start to notice, wow, you're so wise, you're so wise, you're so wise. 
So he was, he was succeeding in something that would have been a fruit of the spirit, but that very thing becomes his stumbling block. So it's really ironic because we could be pursuing a fruit of the spirit. And as people are just like, wow, you're such a prayer warrior. Wow. You're just so loving. Oh, you're so, and we start to own these things as if they are us. Mm -hmm. And we have to really be mindful of the fact that apart from him, we can do nothing. We would have no long suffering. We would have no kindness. We would have no gentleness. We would have apart from his spirit. It's his spirit working in us that allows us to do those things. And just as quickly as God gave Solomon wisdom, God could take it away. Just as quickly as God gave you that peace that passes all understanding, the spirit could withdraw that and leave you struggling before you look and like, oh, well, you shouldn't struggle with anxiety because that's a sign of a lack of faith. Well, hold on, because God may put you through that fire to understand what anxiety really is, you know, and what it's like. And then that may become your struggle, right? So we have to be really careful that as we persevere towards success, that that the little things that we succeed in don't become the very hills that we die on. Right? Yeah, no, it's, it's just, uh, I love this. Sometimes, sometimes Paul speaks so plainly. I think he was writing to somebody like me. Like, he was. Like, I was looking at this as I was, as I was reading through these things. It's like he was pretty much like the first the first verses were the four through four through six. It's pretty much was you're not all that. Like, don't, don't get big-headed. Right. Okay, you did this, you did that, you did. First of all, there's other people who, who are going to be better than you. Mm-hmm. And if you can't find anybody better than you, around you, Jesus is better than you. Okay? And if Jesus is not big enough for you, God... It's bigger than you. So don't start putting yourself, idolizing yourself at a place where I have arrived. Right. Um, the, other, the next step when he said is that all those things compared to, to Christ and to the resurrection is rubbish. I love the, that he, he says that. I know you, you, you kind of like the loss. I like, I like rubbish. You know, it's just, it, it is it's because I think we need to have that mindset. We need to have that mindset so that way we do not get stuck on those things. Uh, we need to have the mindset. Not, not that we dismiss the, the, all the positive things that we've done right. in our lives through Christ while serving God. Not that we dismiss it and it was like, eh, you know, man, I shouldn't have fed that homeless person, you know. But it's just more that we're not, we're not idolizing it. I think that's the biggest thing. Because uh, over and over again with the people of Israel and with Solomon, like focusing on Solomon, he said, everything, everything is yours. Just keep following me. Keep worshiping me. Don't worship anybody else. As long as you're worshiping me, we're good. And then there was that switch where first Solomon started worshiping himself. And then he started worshiping things around him. And he took his eyes off God and onto all the things that the world right. had to offer. Right. Like he builds this amazing temple for God, which was David's one true desire to do. Mm-hmm. And God said it was not for him to do, but for Solomon to do. And he, he does that. But then he also goes on to build all these high places, which became the downfall of Israel. So when we find our, our passion or our calling in Christ, maybe the ministry that God has called us to do, and we start to find success 
we have to be careful because the very thing that was initially a blessing could be the thing that leads to our downfall because we have to remember it's a gift. And going back to, again, over the last year, we've looked many times at John 15, but over and over, Jesus says, you know, apart from me, you can do nothing. And he tells us that he, he is the vine, we are the branches. We're supposed to abide in him. So we can't even get super distracted by the fruit of love, joy, peace. Those are, these are things that should naturally happen. But, you know, Paul says here, he says, if Paul himself says that he has not yet accomplished it, he has not taken hold of it. And what is it? He says, to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. And and the one thing that, that Christ did was that it's the relationship. So we can't even look at success as the end game of, oh, well, now I'm a loving person. I'm a good person. I'm a joyful person. No, the end game, true success is that we persevere and we abide in Christ to our very last breath. That the way my husband started with communion and, and the service time and, and the word, which is that he is enough. Our success is that we are a temple of the living God, that his spirit dwells with us and that we listen and obey as the spirit tells us to and that we abide in Christ in whatever we do. If you look at Joshua, right? The beginning of Joshua, he says, do not let this book of the law depart from your, ba- your mouth, Joshua 1, 8 and 9. And, and he says, but be careful to do what is in it and, and that he will be successful wherever he goes because the Lord is with him. Mm-hmm. And it's not that we do whatever we want and God puts a stamp of approval. Remember, it's the other way, that when we abide in Christ, the Holy Spirit leads us what to say, what to do, where to go, mm-hmm. you know, who to interact with. And we have success because the Spirit of God is with us. That is our definition of success, is are we abiding in Christ? Is he with us? And we will not have obtained it until we persevere till the end, till our very last breath. So we can never get too comfortable thinking that we have somehow become some sort of super, super Christian because none of us is above falling. Mm-hmm. None of us, right, yeah. is above backsliding or walking away or facing a storm that we were not prepared to face Mm -hmm. and wrestling and being tossed back and forth in the waves with doubt. You know, none of us is above that. And so we should, scripture teaches over and over again to work out your salvation with fear and Mm -hmm. trembling. Mm -hmm. And that's why, because the pattern in scripture over and over again is that you see these people who did have God's heart, who did love the Lord And they too stumbled. Even Peter, we look at Jesus reinstates him, right? And he says, do you love me? And he says, yes. And he preaches this great sermon and thousands come and he's the head of the church. But then there's this this weird thread running through the New Testament where he has a vision that God says, you know, that the Gentiles have been approved and that you can eat at any kind of food. There's not kosher, clean or unclean. And, And he tells everybody that now, you know, that that part of the covenant and the law has been abolished. But then he gets nervous of what people think, yeah. right? And he, he's afraid to eat with the Gentiles. He's afraid to eat of the, the unkosher food. And him and Paul have it out. And Paul, like, blasts him. Like, are you for real, dude? You're supposed to be the head of the church. <laughs> and you're afraid of what people think. So it's not like, oh, you know, I think sometimes we do these little sermons, like, as though, you know, Peter had his three times when he denied Jesus and then gets reinstated. And after that... Peter just had it together and he's like <laughs> this awesome man of God who was crucified upside down and never had his that. No, like 
scripture tells us Peter was still on a journey. Like until we finish and we stand before the Lord and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. That is success. That is success. So whether we have plenty or whether we are in want, we have to, success is being content in, in our relationship with Christ in all circumstances, all the way until our very last breath. Yeah. Uh, and the, what you were saying, um, what we're looking for, what Paul is pressing on to is found in verse 10, 10 and 11 of, of that. What's the end game? And I love what you said. Uh, it's the relationship because in 11 says somehow, let me just read the whole thing. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection resurrection from the dead. His biggest goal is to find the, attain the resurrection from the dead, meaning that his goal is when he dies, he will be resurrected just like Christ did to be before the Lord. That's the goal. Not to be the super Christian, not to be, his, his success is to be before the Lord. Like how many times do we say, I, we, I can't wait to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear. That's, that's the drive. That, that's all we want. That's a relationship I will hear from God. And he would be pleased in who I was, mm-hmm. who I am through his son. Right. He's not going to be saying like, well done, my good and faithful servant, because you have preached your preaching. You served the... No, because you became more like my son through your life death and resurrection mm-hmm. that's 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 powerful to me that's what that's what makes me want to press on and that's why we have to press on to to succeed in that we got to press on to till, till our, our last breath i mean sometimes we always talked about you don't know to you're saved till you die <laughs> right <laughs> one who perseveres to the end will be saved yeah you die and you're like okay i made it <laughs> it was real but but till Close then Till till then, the devil. He, trip us up. Yeah, he he's right there. He he's he keeps on challenging. He keeps on tempting you. And at any time, we can fall if we right. all of a sudden get content in in where where we at in our spiritual life. Right, and we I mean we see this over and over again. Sadly, you know in in the church that you know and I made the joke earlier. I I sorry for that if it was in poor taste. But we do see all of these pastors and leaders that people really admire right and then they fall and they have these these threads of sin and entanglement that people may or may not know about behind the scenes and and that is the danger that you know there's a i can't remember who said it but the maybe one of you will will know offhand but it says that uh power corrupts and infinite power corrupts infinitely and there is just this reality that as we, as God gives us success or expands a platform, uh, that that power runs very contradictory to the journey of the cross, and we have to walk and and tread very lightly. Uh, that that we don't use those successes to stand on something. We we can't stand on anything except for the work that Christ has done. That at the end of the day, 
even all in all those good things that we do, when we do stand before the Lord and he says, well done, what he's really, what we're standing on and, and the reason why we get any approval at all is because of the blood of Jesus, yeah. is because of his sacrifice and the work that he did on the cross. Whatever we have done, whatever we have accomplished is, is worth is worth nothing. And, uh, I just, I think we could finish with this. It's, uh, it says, how, you know, how do we, how do we do this in verse 14? It says, but one thing I do forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God had called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 16, it says, only let us live up to what we have already attained. And I love this because Remember, what we're doing is that we have already been given the gift of salvation. Mm-hmm. And, and let's not forget that we don't have to earn our salvation. So we are really just trying to live worthy of the gift that we have received out of thankfulness for what Christ has done. We are trying to model how we walk, how we talk, the way we interact, the way we spend our time. Everything is a gift. And we are to cultivate our lives and shape our days in order to be worthy of that gift. There's nothing we can add. There's nothing we can detract. But what we do need to do is to forget what's behind because I think that's where we get, um, we get tangled up. We start to look back and we're like, oh man, I really did, I did really good there. Or, you know, we look back and we're like, wow, I was, I was a really good Christian in that moment. And, and we start to stumble because we, we look at the things that we've accomplished. And he says, forget what's behind you. Mm-hmm. Forget both the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. Forget your failings. Forget your successes. Just keep your focus on the moment in front of you and just put one step in front of the other. That's what persevering in success is, is that we just continue to press through one foot in front of the other towards the goal that Christ has set for us heavenward in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And I, I think Paul looked at our notes when he wrote Philippians. Because he threw this amazing, that verse 15, when we talk about persevering in the body of Christ, he threw that verse, talks about all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. So having the same mindset that he just preached and what Trish just really focused on says, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. So we come together, we persevere through our success, and we come to, and if there's some disagreement that we, we're not understanding, let come together mm-hmm. and ask God for wisdom and clarity in those things so that way there's no division in those things that we all have that mindset of pushing through. Right. As a body of Christ, as a church, as believers, as mature believers. Um, so I, uh-huh. th- I think that, that was, I love that Paul looked at our notes to help <laughs> us out to kind of... <laughs> Humility. We're working on that one. <laughs> success. Persevering in success towards humility. Oh, there, that's another quote. I should have looked up, but I didn't, I didn't have these in our notes. That humility is the one thing that once you think you have it, you've already lost it. Yeah. 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 Wow. <laughs> and I feel that's true of a lot of the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. If you're like, wow, I was just so loving. Like, no, you, you yeah. missed it. <laughs> I'm so forgiving. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I, that's. I remember my my mentor told me a long time ago. As soon as, as soon as you feel like you've found a grasp on something, you're you're sliding back. Wow. Like if if you think that you're a mature Christian, you are in danger. In yeah. danger, because that means you stopped working on whatever you you wanted to work. So if I'm like, man, I'm good with patience. 
Uh, first of all, be careful. You're about to <laughs> be challenged right. uh, about that. But, or I don't need to read my word because I've, I've already read, you know, there's not really anything new. I don't really need to go to church because I've really heard all these sermons before. That's when you are in that place. Yeah. Where you're worried, like, Lord, am I, you know, am I okay before you? Is my heart right before you? When you're, when you have that broken and contrite heart that we talked about last mm-hmm. week, that's usually when you're on the right path. But when you get comfortable, that's when we need to be, that's when we need to be concerned. Yeah. So keep pushing through to win the prize. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope this teaching blessed you and brought you closer to God. Know you are loved and covered in prayer. Thank you.